anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 thanks for joining us today this is the hour of intercession I'm Pastor Joseph Parker we invite you to look with us in the word of God to begin with in the book of Daniel Daniel chapter 2 beginning at verse 24 Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me there, take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. Then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said this to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this. And he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living. But for our sakes who make known the interpretation to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your heart. You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. The the great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like chafe from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field and the birds of the air, he has given them into your hand and has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold, but after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, 
then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And this kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel, and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly, your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this secret. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon, and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Also Daniel petitioned the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Again, the book of Daniel, chapter chapter 2, verses 24 to 49. And the, looking briefly in the New Testament in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 8. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you, for, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, Neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Then finally, looking further in Matthew 6, verse 31. Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Verses 
31 to 34, Matthew chapter 6. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word, which gives us insight, wisdom, revelation, and understanding in so, so many matters and concerns. Thank you for the wonderful gift of your kingdom, and thank you for the opportunity to grow an understanding of how important it is for us to understand what your kingdom is about and for us to be believers who seek first your kingdom in our lives and as a lifestyle. More and more, teach us and empower us to be believers that are wise enough to seek first your kingdom in all that we do and help us to become more and more of the equipped kingdom warriors that you would have each one of us to be, that you would have us to be. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Rick Robertson is our producer. He's going to lead us in a word of prayer at this time. Father, we join the Apostle Paul in saying, Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Father, we lift high your holy name today. We're thankful for your sovereignty over the world, how you're very much in control, that you're not scratching your head or pulling your hair out, but you are very much in control. So we rest in you today, Father. We lean on you. We look to you to open up your hand of kindness and provide all our needs and to protect us and to shield us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 Thank you, Rick. And thank you again for being a part of our listening family. We are very blessed to have with us once again Susan DeBrew. She's the author of the book series Unleashing the Kingdom. And we had the privilege and honor of having her actually just a few weeks ago. But uh, we just really kind of scratched the surface of the topic and some of the critical issues that the book series addresses. And so we wanted to have her back. So, Susan, we're grateful to have you back once again. How are you today? I'm great. It's an honor to be back. Thank you. All right. Well, I want to ask if you'll take time now once again to uh, reintroduce yourself and um, tell us about you and the ministry the Lord has called you to. And then we want to get right back into sort of picking up where we left off on the last broadcast, talking about the book series that you've written entitled Unleashing the Kingdom. I would be happy to. Thank you. So my name is Susan DeBrew. My husband is Gregory. We live in Texas in the Fort Worth area. So um, I, last time on, I shared a little bit about how I got saved and how the Lord began to unpack to me how different our kingdom was. But for right now, where I am at this point is I am a real estate broker. I have a successful real estate company here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. My husband runs, uh, founded and runs one of the largest private food banks in the area. He's actually been feeding the poor for little over 30 years, and we kind of tease. He's food, and I'm shelter. He's mm-hmm. nonprofit, and I'm profit. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and we, are, we both also serve on the pastoral team at Freedom Life Church here in Mansfield. So we have our fingers in a lot of different uh, pots, but it's the Lord has just been able to bless us to have the capacity to serve in different areas, and we're just really, really happy to do that. All right. So Unleashing the Kingdom mm-hmm. is a series that, uh, as we started talking a few weeks ago, the Lord began to show me that some of the things that I was being taught in church didn't line up with His heart. And He took me on a five-year journey of learning the Scriptures at a deep, deeper level and understanding better the context and the history, that kind of thing. And once I began to understand 
um, that his heart was not at all for the subjugation of slaves or the subjugation of women or any people group for that matter, that his kingdom was actually a very different kind of kingdom from the world. He had to take me on a, another five-year journey of learning about his kingdom. And what's so important for that is that as I was learning, as I shared last time, like, for example, the scripture, it's, a, it's such a clear one to begin with. Women should be silent in the church. They're not permitted to speak, right? It actually says it's disgraceful for them to utter sound in the assembly and not even ask a question. No singing in the choir, no giving announcements, no teaching children or other women. And and yet, of course, we don't practice that. We know instinctively, I think we know that that's not God's heart, but we didn't really understand what that restriction could have applied to. We assumed Paul was trying to bring some kind of restriction against women, some kind of hierarchy, right? And um, as I began to learn the scriptures, again, I don't want to repeat everything we did last time, but we find in chapter 7, verse 1 of 1 Corinthians, where that prohibition is found, that Paul starts off with chapter 7, saying, now about the things you wrote to me. So all of 1 Corinthians, Paul's dealing with the issues that he heard from Chloe's people and this letter that he got from the Corinthians. Mm -hmm. And by the time we get to chapter 14, where it says, why women be silent, you have several chapters in a row where he's saying, no, everybody has a song. Everybody's an eye or a foot or everybody's different, but we all play a role. And then, and then out of the blue, almost out of complete context, he says, not the women. When you understand that he's dealing with the false Corinthians with their perspective, then you can understand the very next verse starts with um, a, the grammatical term is a disjunctive participle, and it basically just means like it's an abrupt stop. It's, it repudiates what was just said. So like King James will translate it, what? Many translations don't know what to do with it, so they just skip it because it sounds contradictory, which actually Paul was meaning for it to be contradictory. Suzanne, I'm going to jump in right here, and we're going to uh, pick up on the other side of the break here. Our phone guest today is Susan DeBrew. She's the author of the book series Un Unleashing the Kingdom. We'll be right back.
Music of Lincoln Brewster with Made New. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession. Our phone guest today is Susan DeBrew. She's the author of the book series Unleashing the Kingdom. And Susan, as we begin this segment, uh, before we get back to you sharing about the insights on the book series, if you would pray for our listeners to have ears to hear all the Lord would say to them through the broadcast today, we'd really appreciate that. Yes, sir. So, Father God, we just come before you, Lord, and I'm just asking that your Holy Spirit would meet each and every one of us exactly where we need it to be, exactly where we are right now, whether it's in a place of pain or whether it's in a moment of triumph, that you're there with it. And Lord, that 15 times in the New Testament, Jesus said, for those who have ears, let them hear. And so, Lord, I'm asking that you would give us those ears, that you would open up our heart to hear what you're saying to each and every one of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank All right. you, Lord. Well, if yes. you'll pick up right there where you left off. Sure. Okay. So the reason I was talking about that verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 about women being silent and that Paul was actually correcting the Corinthians, he wasn't, Paul was coming against those who was trying to silence the women. In other words, he wasn't actually trying to silence the women. And sadly, the enemy has gotten in and twisted our understanding so that we end up partnering with him. The subtitle of the whole series, Unleashing the Kingdom, is Taking Dominion Through the Unity of Men and Women. Because what happens is, is that from the garden on, the the Lord, you know, God, we were made in His image and in His likeness, right? Mm-hmm. He is in the dominion business, but it's a family business. He gave us the dominion to partner with Him to establish His kingdom on earth from the very beginning. And our mandate hasn't changed, but the enemy knows the only way we have power <clears throat> over Him is with our unity. From the, you look at all through the, I mean, the, probably the best example is the Tower of Babel, right? But all through the scriptures, you'll see where when we come together and we're united with the Lord or with each other, we have power. When mm-hmm. we don't, the enemy can come in and divide and conquer. And, and the only way he has any power over us is with our own agreement. And so division is his number one way of tying our hands. Mm. Well, and you know, in the book of Acts, chapter two, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know, it specifically points out that uh, the it says the the people of God they were all with one accord in one place. Yes, mm. yes, it's our unity, and so that's why the enemy's tactic has always been divide and conquer. Well, yeah. in, you know that again. The whole topic of the kingdom of God is such. You know, it's it has mystery around it. At the same time, it's very very practical to better understand the kingdom of God. And, you know, interesting how that, like, you can define the kingdom in different ways. You can say the kingdom of God, it's the power of God, it's the presence of God, it's the the Holy Spirit, it's the hand of God. Yet, Mm. it may not seem so easy to define, but at the same time, it's a wonderful topic. And Scripture specifically says Jesus came preaching the kingdom. It doesn't say preaching the gospel. He said preaching the kingdom. Now, Jesus is always right, and he preached the kingdom. He did. Yeah. And his way of doing things was very different than the worldly way. Mm-hmm. Even his disciples struggled with his teaching, his teaching about, you know, they were constantly bickering about who was going to be the greatest. 
one of them, their mom even was like, hey, when you come into your kingdom, will you let one of my sons be on your right hand and one be on the left? Because it's about power and prestige, prominence and position. And he was always saying, my kingdom is of a different realm. That's not how we do it, right? In his, they even wanted the whole people wanted to like take Jesus and make him be their king by force. And he refused. He wasn't going to enter into the kingdoms of this world where there's these power pyramid schemes where we end up being pitted against one another like his disciples kept doing because that was their conditioning from birth. I mean, that's been the human condition since the fall. We don't really know well how to have human organization without it instead of the leaders being the ones who we know intuitively that the right kingdom is jesus the king of kings and the lord of lords bending down to wash our feet like it's uncomfortable for us but we see that throughout his teaching on how to be the greatest you become the servant if you're the one that has um, wealth or power your responsibility is to to use that for the good and the service of others, lifting them up, not to take from them for selfish gain, right? The good kings of the world would ride through the land to see what the people needed. The bad kings of the world would ride through the land to see what they could tax or take from them. And so he wanted us to, to follow his kingdom protocol, his kingdom blueprint, where the leaders don't sit at the top of a power pyramid scheme with everyone serving them. Of course, we serve the Lord, we serve our leaders, but the idea isn't that we're serving them for their gain, for their power, for their prestige, for them to lord over us or to try to control us. That's the systems of the world. Where he said, no, no, the leaders, the foundation of his kingdom is the apostles and the prophets. The foundation is the leaders because they carry the weight. They carry the responsibility, right? The leaders lead. They go first. It's like they have a big machete chopping through the jungle, paving a way for others to follow. We follow leaders. We don't, it, the world just creates a different paradigm where Jesus' kingdom, where when we honor our leaders in a healthy relationship, in a healthy environment, they honor us in return and lift us up so that we too can go like a parent would for their child, mm -hmm. right? You, you train your children honor by showing them honor. You applaud when they go farther than you do, right? Mm -hmm. Where in the kingdoms of this world, if you begin to shine too brightly, if you become successful, it creates envy and drive strife and jealousy and every evil thing because a power pyramid then what happens is is i my significance has to come from how close to the powerful ones i can get mm -hmm. and so if i'm not friends with the most powerful ones i feel insignificant mm -hmm. it's like a corporate ladder if you start getting ahead of me i feel i have to pull you down or i'm not worth anything i'm not valuable well, you know, you know, Susan, that that's such a powerful truth to grasp, and it's clearly something that's taught time and time again in Scripture. And of course, the greatest example yeah. we see is that in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as you've alluded to. Jesus yeah. is the greatest servant that ever walked the earth. He lived for yeah. us. He gave more than anyone else, and he ultimately gave his whole life. And yet, he's mm -hmm. the creator of the universe. It's like yeah. it, it seems that he wouldn't have to do that, but he did do it. And again, we don't think of a king 
in the worldly sense of doing that. We think of a king as someone who has lots of privilege, is to be separated from certain kinds of people. But Jesus, Mm -hmm. again, he washed the feet of his disciples. And so, Father, thank you for the wonderful example we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, of being the chief servant, the being the one who gives the most, who blesses the most, who's not seeking to be elevated per se, but is seeking to bless just in a wonderful, wonderful way. Lord, help us to become more and more like Jesus with every passing day. Help us to recognize, Lord, that we have the high calling of following in Jesus' footsteps of being servants, being a blessing to the world around us. Help us to learn that lesson. Help us to be listening continually to the Holy Spirit who teaches us how to walk in love and walk as servants. And help us, Lord, as persons in positions of influence, to make the most of using our influence for your glory. And, and even as, as dads and as fathers, help us to realize, Lord, we're the chief servant in our homes, not the big, big-time boss, but the chief servant who serves most yeah. and gives most sacrificially. Lord, more and more, help us to learn those lessons and help us to walk them out. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. 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 Well, Susan, the term unleashing, why the need to use the term unleashing? I love that you asked that. I do a lot of interviews, and you're the first one who's asked that question, and it's actually a really good question. The the title went through several changes along the way, and we landed on unleashing because I felt like it carries several meanings to it. The first one is, is that the kingdom of God has been tied up, so to speak, on the earth. Jesus came to establish the kingdom 2,000 years ago. Actually, we were created from the garden, right, to usher in his kingdom. But because of uh, God's value for human agency, for us to have dominion, he wants to partner with us to do it. So every time we start following the patterns of this world or we start following the enemy the kingdom of heaven on earth is not being unleashed, released the way it's supposed to. So we kind of have it bound up, and he's come to break those chains and to set us free and to begin to unleash the kingdom from within. So mm-hmm. Jesus said in Luke seventeen twenty one, the kingdom of God is inside you. Some versions will say in your midst, but the word there in the Greek is entos, and, it, and the only other time it's used in the New Testament is when it's used to describe the difference between the inside of the cup and the outside of the cup. The kingdom of God is inside you. And so what does that mean? Well, it's the king living on the inside of you, right? It's you have the, you have the authority, you have the ability to transform the world around you. Mm-hmm. your metron, your area of influence. And so we actually unleash that power from within us. We release it and we transform the world. And when I'm doing it in my metron and you're doing it in your metron, and we begin to like leaven, begin to leaven the whole up, that's how the kingdom comes. Love is subversive to the kingdom of darkness. It transforms from the inside out. We cannot partner with the world systems by force, by coercion, by manipulation. All of those are the kingdom of darkness. And so if we go to the people who disagree with us or the people who are acting a fool, and we're like, you have to do it our way, and we do it through power, through criticism, through um, manipulation, we're partnering with the enemy to try to bring about God's kingdom, and it doesn't work that way. 
we mm. never reach their heart. Mm. And what we're doing is that's why that's why the greatest become the servant. That's why slaves submit and women submit. We do it because we don't just follow the letter of the law. We go above and beyond that. We're now we're operating at a level of free agency. And now we can release love into the atmosphere that can begin to transform the hearts of the people around us. Mm. It's a beautiful kingdom. It's a kingdom that's much like Jesus, not like the power structures of Nebuchadnezzar and who you were reading about at the beginning of the broadcast, right? It's a different kingdom. Mm. You know, um, the, the, sto- the, the powerful account in the book of Daniel is, is such a powerful illustration of, well, it's, a tr- it's obviously a true story, but at the same yeah. time, a wonderful illustration of just the fact that God's kingdom is so powerful that one day when all these other kingdoms that we look up to that seem so powerful and so overwhelming, one day they'll, they'll all, all amount to nothing. Whereas the kingdom of God will become the greatest kingdom that ever existed. Well, it already is, but its manifestation mm-hmm. becomes greater and greater as we just simply obey God yeah. and his spirit. You know. So would you comment it, further it on? Transform. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It will transform all of those from the inside out. It will actually become something different. Not one, not one group of people holding power for a moment and ruling over other people. So eventually the other people fight back and take back control. And it, 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 it's our world history, right? The mm-hmm. kingdom of God comes to transform from the inside out. So it actually is like the glory of the Lord will fill the earth, will cover the earth, like the water covers the sea. The sea is water, right? Mm-hmm. So it beco- they become like our king, where they don't want to rule over people. They want to serve them. Mm-hmm. Mm. Nobody fights over who's going to be the greatest servant. <laughs> you know that's so true. That's so true. And yet Jesus clear Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit clearly are that. You know, uh again, yeah. God is a servant. Jesus mm-hmm. is a servant. The Holy Spirit is a servant. <laughs> Yeah. And they're th- secure in who they are, right? Mm-hmm. They're secure in their power. They, you know, they created the universe. They own it all. They could take it back in a moment. Mm-hmm. They don't feel the need to control us. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. powerful to understand those truths too. Then we're coming up on a break again. On the other side, I'm going to ask Susan if you'll specifically pray for the church and the leadership mm-hmm. of the church that we would grow yeah. in our understanding of why it's important to understand what the kingdom of God is about and how we're to be involved in it and how, you know, understanding too that the church is an important a part and to be cooperating fully with the kingdom of God as well. But again, growing in our understanding and even the fact that God's word is our textbook for operating in the kingdom. So we'll ask you to pray for that on the other side. Our phone guest is Susan DeBrew. She's the author of the book, Unleashing the Kingdom. We'll be right back.
Music from the group Mosaic, the song Tremble. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. Our phone guest today is Susan DeBrew. She's the author of the book series Unleashing the Kingdom. Susan, would you pray as we begin this final segment, uh, pray for the church. The church would grow and mature to where they better understand the need for us to be vitally connected and cooperating with the kingdom of God. Yes, yes, yes. So, Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, for the church. Church is your idea. Lord, I thank you that um, that you would just empower us to see things differently, so that no longer would we model church after the systems of the world, after the kingdoms of this world, but we would shift and we would begin to model it after Jesus, after his ecclesia. And Lord, I just thank you for that. I thank you for a renaissance, for a renewal, for the kingdom of God beginning to transform all of the mountains of influence in society, government, education, uh, technology, science, the family, you name it, Lord. And it starts with the house of God. It starts with the church. So begin with us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you. And I and jo- Pastor Joseph, I love so much that you brought up church, mm-hmm. because I think there is a m- little bit of a misunderstanding in modern Western Christianity about church being just a religious gathering, where we mm-hmm. gather, where we sing songs of worship, where we hear a great word that helps to transform and empower us, where we fellowship with one another. All those things are very important, and all those things are included in the word church, but the word church actually was originally, uh, when Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my, it's translated church, it's the word ecclesia, 
-hmm. didn't say synagogue. He didn't say temple, right? He didn't use a religious term. He used a secular term. And in those days, there was no difference between secular and sacred. So Mm -hmm. it would include worship, right? Mm -hmm. Even in the the ones who worshiped false gods in the cities that weren't following the Lord, like Athens or whatever, their Mm -hmm. ecclesia was like their parliament, it was a governmental term where people gathered together to do the business of the city. Mm-hmm. And like the, it's like we are the parliament of King Jesus. Mm-hmm. And yes, it includes worship, but it's supposed to be more than that. It is the instrument for ushering in his kingdom on the earth, right? It starts mm-hmm. with us. But if we don't get it, how in the world is the world going to get it? And right. so I love that you brought that up because truly we we need a different we need a different paradigm. We need to understand our role as partnering with the king. Mm-hmm. Isaiah has stories, and there's a few places in the Old Testament where you see that where, where people, even in the Old Covenant, would, would get a glimpse into the divine council mm-hmm. and see the Lord talking about the issues going on in the earth and the partnership with the angels or with the Isaiah or, or an individual. And now we have Holy Spirit in us, right? We are all filled with His Spirit, and we have the ability to to say, "Okay, Lord, what would you have me do? What is Your will in this matter? How should we How should we love on this person? How should we bring change?" And when we do that, we get to usher in His kingdom. But it's church has to be more than just a worship service. It's more than fellowship. It's bigger than that. Mm. And you know, partnering is getting His perspective and partnering with Him. In, in everything and in every matter and in every way. So, and yeah. you know, I think it's very helpful for believers to understand too that, um, you know, and of course the Word of God is so many things, but amongst other things, it's a textbook for operating in the kingdom. And it's good for us to understand obedience releases the kingdom. And mm-hmm. very simply, if we as believers hear God's Word and obey it, that's a wonderful way any and every believer can participate in building God's kingdom, yeah. simply hearing his word and obeying it, because mm-hmm. that's actually that's huge. <laughs> it may say, it, seem simple, it, but it's huge. But further thoughts on that? It requires trust, mm-hmm. yeah. trust and partnership. Yes, sir. That is so true. That's what so happens true. when we obey. It means we trust what he's telling us and we act on it. If someone wants to get a copy of the uh, book series, Unleashing the Kingdom, how can they do that, Susan? Yes. Okay, so... Uh, all the books are available on Amazon, and on Amazon they're available both in paperback, in electronic Kindle format, and then they're also available on Audible if you prefer to listen rather than to read. There are four books. There's three books in the series, Unleashing the Kingdom. The subtitle is Taking Dominion Through the Unity of Men and Women. Book one is called The Woman's Place. Book two is Clash of Kingdoms. And book three is Lies That Bind, and it's the third one that goes through most of the scriptures that people struggle with when it comes to the women's issue. Mm -hmm. But if you don't understand the kingdom, you'll you'll never understand how we got it wrong. Mm -hmm. And then the final book is a follow-up to the series called Divine Dancing, What the Apostle Paul Meant by Oneness, Submission, and Headship. The books are also available on our website kingdombrewing.com, kingdombrewing.com. And on the website, there's also uh, the audio podcasts and the video podcasts that are free to watch. We've got lots of content up there. And my husband also writes a short daily devotional called The Daily Vitamin, and that's up there and available for free every day as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
All righty. Well, thanks for sharing that. I uh, want to ask you, um, I, I think what some people might think is a difficult question. I wouldn't call it one, but if someone was to say, Susan, how is being involved in real estate a ministry and how is that kingdom work? How would you respond to that question? <laughs> I, that's a great question, too. How long do I have? <laughs> so, um, yeah, if I, if I only have a couple minutes, I'll give you the very, very briefest synopsis. But my story is I was in ministry. I was on staff mm-hmm. at a church, and um, through a series of events, I found myself both with illness and some other circumstances actually needing to turn my attention to making money rather than just serving the kingdom. And my heart felt like I was being demoted. I felt like I was being demoted. All I wanted to do was serve the kingdom. And back then, I didn't understand that everything is his kingdom. There is no difference in secular and sacred, but I still, and I don't think that I would have said that there was a difference, but I think my heart believed that there was a difference. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that I had to go into marketplace didn't make me happy. And my husband kept telling me, you're going to do more ministry in the market than you ever did in church. And I I thought he was just being kind, right? Uh (laughs) Um, It wasn't until I got into uh, real estate, then I began to see, oh, now I'm actually having to put into practice all of the theology that I had believed in church. Now I have to walk into someone's home and be able to hear the voice of the Lord and minister to them directly, right? Mm-hmm. Now I have to trust the Lord for um, for things of the kingdom that manifest in the world as it is. I've done more ministry working in real estate than I ever did while on staff at a church, mm-hmm. and I've had to prove that these kingdom principles of really doing it God's way, of really looking after <clears throat> both my clients, and I, I have 20 agents that work for me, mm-hmm. and looking after them, actually putting their interests before my own, even when it's hard, mm-hmm. actually I proved that, that doing things the kingdom way actually is really good business. Mm-hmm. It's actually more lucrative in the long run than trying to copy the world's systems and, well, it's just business. No, no, it is the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And the kingdom creates wealth. It doesn't have to take it from someone else. Mm. And, you know, it's so powerful to think of those. The, these are truths that people really need to grow spiritually in understanding how to take them and apply them. Because just like you alluded to, not only is doing things the kingdom way good business, that's the way to do business. Yet the world yes, doesn't understand that. And, you know, no. I, I think of this too interesting. You know, you hear people use terms like profit and nonprofit. There's nothing about God that's nonprofit. Nothing. God is a God who is about building and prospering us for his yes. glory. And, and it's the key is to build his kingdom. That's what he's about. Amen. And God doesn't Amen. strain to do it. He just he uses willing, obedient vessels, and he knows how to get his work done 100% of the time in any context, you know. Yes, yes, yes. He just chooses to do it through us. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Our yeah. time is just about yeah. gone. Would you just, whatever's on your heart to pray for listeners before our time ends, would you pray for them, please? Yes. So, Father, right now my heart is for each and every listener to understand no matter where they find themselves, whether in ministry, whether in the marketplace, whether serving at home, 
whether they're feeling like they're in a dead-end job, maybe, where they feel like maybe Daniel, when Pastor Joseph was reading in the beginning, Daniel was doing that even though he was himself a slave. He touched the known world. And so I feel like I want every listener, Lord, to know how valuable they are and what a huge impact they can make for your kingdom despite their circumstances. They don't have to be in ministry or to be the lead. They can be uh, a, a JL that certainly is just at the right place at the right time. And Lord, you give them the ability to change the course of world events. And so, Lord, I thank you that you would lift every head that they would know each and every one of them are your children, that they are your favorite, they are the apple of your eye, and it doesn't take anything away from anybody else. And so, Father, I thank you that you have them see that because they have the King of the universe living on the inside of them, he's closer than their skin, that there's nothing they can't do. And we just release that to them, the truth of who they really are. They are royalty on the earth. And it doesn't matter their circumstances. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Susan. And as we normally do before we end the broadcast, if you're listening today and you've never made the wonderful and tremendous step of inviting Jesus Christ to come into your heart, to be the Lord and Savior of your life, today is a great day, a wonderful day to be saved, to fully commit your heart and life to the Lord and place your life in his hands. If you'd like to make that step, would you simply pray this prayer with me even now? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so much. You came into this world a long time ago. You lived. You died on the cross to pay for all my sins and wrongs. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess. I've sinned and done wrong in many, many ways. Lord, I repent and turn from all the wrong I've done. Lord Jesus, forgive me for all the wrong I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. In your word you told us, whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, today, right now, I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all my life. Thank you, Lord, for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we want to invite you to email us. My email is joseph at afr.net. We'd like to definitely be in touch with you. We want to share with you some literature and resources that are going to help you to begin to grow and grow strong in your new walk with the Lord again. Joseph at AFR.net. We hope to hear from you. We definitely would like to hear from you. Again, Joseph at AFR.net. Susan, again, thank you so much for being with us. Our guest has been Susan DeBrew. Thank you again for coming on once again. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. Share one more time if someone wants to get some of the books of the book series, Unleashing the Kingdom, how they can. Uh, Our website kingdombrewing.com or on Amazon. All are available, both paperback, Kindle, and Audible on Amazon. All right. Please pray much for Susan and for the tool of the book series as well. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.